0: they can't start without me anyway i got the first word here good morning Uh, welcome to this uh, little bit of a snowy morning we're glad that you're here and we want to say welcome to to all of you here at crossroads we are here this morning to worship our lord and our savior jesus christ he is a wonderful counselor mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, it's a privilege for us to be able to gather together to worship him. It's a privilege. <laughs> I thought I was hearing myself, but no. <laughs> okay. It's a privilege for us to be able to gather together to worship him. It's one we don't take lightly in one we believe doesn't happen by accident. God calls us to worship this morning. So will you rise for that call to worship?
1: Prepare the way the prophets call. Make ready the highways for God. Prepare the way for God's realm opens up a new day. Prepare the way. God promises a new day when adversaries will lay down their arms. May the God of hope fill our hearts with all joy and peace. We rejoice for God's spirit is in our midst.
0: Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to gather and worship. And on this first Sunday of Advent, we rejoice in how you came to this earth to save us. We rejoice in that wondrous love and that hope that we have that one day you will return again. We thank and praise you, O Lord. And as we gather and worship, will you open up our hearts and our voices and our minds to what you would have in store for us today and help us to respond to that, O Lord, with much love for others and with rejoicing and praise of your name and service in your name. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen. Well, good morning. morning. I know it's on these uh, holiday weeks that we exchange families, and so we're missing a bunch. And we'd like to welcome those that we do have here that are visiting family. It's good to have you in the house of the Lord with us today. And we come together to worship the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we're happy to have you with us. From the prophet Joel, we read these words, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy hill, let all who live in the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, it is close at hand, let us worship God. So I'm going to extend to you now God's greeting, and what we do as a church then is we greet one another, and then we're going to sing a few more songs. So let me extend to you these words, and then you can greet each other. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Would you greet those around you?
3: those traveling, those returning home from their day's work the same, just like every other night. But that night wasn't like any other for Mary and Joseph. That night was special, the birth of their Son, the birth of the Holy One, Jesus. Oh Holy Night.
2: Confession and Assurance Begins the Profession of Faith from the Book of Isaiah. Do I have the response by chance? There we go. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest mountain and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob teach his ways, and he in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. The house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Would you bow your head as I pray a prayer of confession? Lord Jesus, we come into this place on this first Sunday of Advent. Lord, the years go so fast. It feels like it's hard to keep up. So much changes so quickly. And so often we forget to see your work behind what's happening in our lives and in the world, and we forget to be thankful we forget to hear the invitation to come and see that your angels proclaimed to the shepherds and to the wise men. Jesus, that you proclaimed with the woman at the well and then in Revelation, we hear the words the spirit and the bride say come. So we repent of our busyness and distraction when we forget to come and see. So often, Lord, our eyes are in tune with the things of the world, with the ways of the world, with the priorities of the world. Lord, we know that you've given us skill, ability. You've given us mission and ministry. Help us not forsake all that and let up what the world offers, but help us to find where those two things interact and intersect, Lord, that we might do ministry and live for you where you've placed us in our homes, at our jobs, in our neighborhoods. Help us be mindful of your work there. And so in this Advent season, Lord, we do confess our sin to you, of not bending our knee to you daily, of not reading your word, of not searching our hearts, of not facing our sins. Grant that when Christmas morning breaks this year, Lord, we would have a new sense of your presence and a new resolve to follow you daily, we pray. We pray this in your name. Amen. Now receive the assurance of pardon. This is from Psalm 85. And the response will just be thanks to God when I'm done. Surely God's salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. In Christ, God's salvation is at hand and righteousness has come. Thanks be to God. We have one more hymn we're going to sing. And the hymn is tied into what I'm, I'll be preaching on during the sermon. Following the hymn, the children will be dismissed for children and worship. So if you'd stand and sing this final song this morning with us. From Luke 2. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Be seated, and at this time, children, if you follow the flag to children and worship. So, this is the theme of our Advent series, Um, the theme being Christmas carols. And so, what I've done for our Sundays of Advent is picked a song that we're familiar with. We're going to do a little background on the song, tie it to the text that it's rooted in, uh, just to give us a little bit more understanding of the words that we, we sing. So, Angels from the Realms of Glory. Well, there's an odd slide. (laughs) Can you click on the middle of that slide once? Not sure how this ties in. (laughs) Mike has nothing to do with that... that, Uncle. (laughs) Uncle. You have your family to thank for that one. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, back on theme <laughs> alright, angels from the realms of glory let me pray as we move into this our Heavenly Father, as we consider this, this hymn that's been sung now for a couple hundred years but we know the words are 2,000 years old and the story is more than a story. It is part of the historical account of your work in this world and in our lives. So might the richness of these words penetrate our heart, Lord, that during this Christmas season, that we would come and see? We pray this in your name. Amen. went on a visit this last week with, with Pastor Kevin. It was a visit uh, to visit Ruth. And uh, as you've seen in the prayer, updates uh, Ruth declining. Sometimes her conversation kind of forgetful. So Kevin was sitting on her left and I was sitting on her right. Just visiting, trying to carry on the conversation we could carry on. Um, So Carla, I'm just referring to the visit with your mother this last week. And then Pastor Kevin does what he does so well. He's like, well, can we sing a a few songs? Can we sing a few hymns? And Ruth was like, yes, let's sing some hymns. And so basically what that meant in the group of three of us is that Kevin would sing. <laughs> so, so Kevin sang a couple hymns, and it was, it was interesting in that moment, uh, what you know better than all of us because of your work with hospice, uh, but what we all should know very well, and do maybe indirectly know, is the power of music and what music does. And so Pastor Kevin sings with Ruth. And then it felt like for literally five minutes, Carla, your mom was just clicking, just about music. Her brother's singing. Just music in her life and the importance of music. I'm like, man, it just triggered something. Not only did she remember the words of the hymns that Pastor Kevin was singing, but it did something within her as well. And we know the power of music. We know the effect that it has on us. I mean, the reason you turn, tune into melancholic music when you're sad is like it enforces the mood or you tune into happy music when you're happy because it reinforces the mood. I mean, music is God's gift to us. Music is in heaven as well. We know that. We, uh, one of my favorite verses from Zephaniah is this. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warriors who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Not only do we know that there will be singing in heaven, We join the choruses of angels when we get there. But the Lord himself, I mean, that picture of him singing over his children, it's a beautiful picture. The God who gave us music, our Heavenly Father singing over us. So there we sat, music doing something in Ruth's soul as Pastor Kevin sings. And I wonder for each of us when we get to that point in life, when our mind begins to rest before our body begins to rest, what songs will trigger for us? Which ones will we have? What words will be important? Maybe Psalm 23, that seems like a a reading people resonate with. But what songs will your pastor or chaplain sing with you? The time is coming for all of us. It's one of the reasons we're thankful for music. And honestly, I think it's one of the reasons we love Christmas. It's because we love the carols. You know, we got to sing the carols this morning, First Sunday of Advent, we'll sing them in the upcoming weeks. If you join us tonight, I think about 3 o'clock as we meet here and we go out to sing to carol to those that are shut in in our church, we get to sing those songs that we know so well that we love, songs we're familiar with. And today I want to discuss that particular carol, Angels from the Realm of Glory. Let me set the stage a little bit as we move into the history of that song, the setting of that song. So within uh, the Advent story, at this point, Mary was quite pregnant. Mary and Joseph have to travel for the census. The government's called the census, let's count the people. I'm sure it was all just good intentions, right? Anyway, they had to travel. Mary, seated on a donkey, Joseph probably beside her, headed from Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, to be counted. See, the decree has gone out from Caesar that the whole world of that area, the known world, needed to be counted. It was census time, and this is what we read in the Gospel of Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, the governor of Syria, And all went to be registered, each of his own town. And Joseph also went out from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So Mary betrothed to Jesus. And we know this was no ordinary pregnancy. If we were to hop back a chapter in the Gospel of Luke, this is what we read. from her and so we come to the hymn we come oh they're just good sounds you know like (laughs) it's just good we come to the carol that we sang this morning just hear the refrain from the first verse angels from the realms of glory wing your flight over, over all the earth ye who sang creation's story now proclaim messiah's birth Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ, the newborn king. And so we see the setting here in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 2 specifically. Uh, The angel appearing to Mary. We we know her response. The angel had to say, don't be frightened. Like her response was was fear. I mean, we don't know what the angel looked like. What size he appeared at, what his voice resonated with. But we know why he was there. Dispatched, if you will. From command central by God himself to an unknown, obscure little town to a teenager, most likely, which nobody, or whom nobody would regard as significant. But this is what God does. He takes what we see as foolish in the world and he displays his wisdom. This is what he does I mean, we know it with with the account of Gideon. You know, Gideon, reduce your army. Reduce it, reduce it, reduce it. Get it down to where you can't possibly win unless I win the battle for you. This is what God does. Christ on the scene, he calls fishermen and tax collectors, making them his disciples. And here he chooses this young girl in a small town to be the mother of Christ. I mean, even the gospel itself, the message that we're to proclaim to all the nations, it's called foolishness, to the world, but it is the wisdom of God. But this is what God does. Listen to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians. He wrote this. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the wise? Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand a sign and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles, but to those who are called. Both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And this is what God does. <clears throat> I think even in my calling. To the world, this is just foolishness. To stand up here week after week after week proclaiming a Christ born in a manger to a virgin. Sent to a cross to die, to take our sins and rise again. But for, for us who have the spirit, like this is the message of life. This is what we're made for. This is what we're called to. And so that first refrain... And that Advent song, angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight over all the earth. Ye who sang creation's story, now proclaim a size birth. And the invitation all throughout scripture, come and worship, come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. So I'm sure most of you have sung that song hundreds of times. Maybe there's like one or two here who have now sung it once. I don't know, but I'm assuming most of you are familiar with those words. What you might not be familiar with is who wrote those words. His name is James Montgomery. James Montgomery lived from 1771 until 1854. He was a writer and he was a poet. He was born in Scotland. Both his parents were missionaries. His father in particular was a pastor on the mission field. James Montgomery is remembered in his life, for fighting for those who are oppressed. He fought against slavery, and he also fought against child slavery of the time, which were the the chimney sweeps. They were using kids to sweep out the chimneys. So he fought against that vehemently. So he sought to do justice in the time that he lived. James Montgomery attended the seminary, and when he was in seminary, he received a note that both of his parents died on the mission field. When he received that note, he quit seminary, and basically he just... As one author said, he wandered aimlessly for a time. So the news of his parents' death basically put him into this, this aimless wandering. And, and, and some of you know what that is. When you receive bad news, like it, just kind of, it just rocks your world. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. This is where he was when he received the news of his parents' death on the mission field. His wandering wouldn't last forever. His love for words and obviously the mercy of Christ is what brought him out of that darkness. But his love for words led him to newspaper work, and so at the age of 23, he was appointed as the editor of the Sheffield Register in London. He'd stay in that position for the next 31 years as the editor for that newspaper. And it is there where his fight for those that were oppressed was seen most clearly. It was a linguistic fight with his mastery of words as he would write against slavery and injustice in the paper that he worked for. I mean, we, some of us here, we, we know what that feels like when, it, when that fight gets in your bones. That, just that good fight that God has called you to that you're willing really to lay down your life for. The Good News of the Gospel of the Glory of Christ. I mean, when it gets in your bones, it's like, man, I'll just give everything for it. Nothing else matters. I'll give my life for it. And that's where he was. James Montgomery, in fact, was arrested twice for what he wrote in his newspaper. Put in prison twice. And even in prison, he wrote what uh, was titled his prison amusements. It's like it was just an amusement to be in prison for his writing. So he kept writing. <clears throat> Moved forward in his life uh, to 1825. In 1825, the 19th century here, uh, that Montgomery gave up his role at the paper to devote himself to fully pursuing helping those in need. So now he began to support the missions and mission field and those going on to the mission field as much as he possibly could. In 1833, the government, the same government that had arrested him, now recognized him with an award of $1,000 for his contributions uh, to missions and missions work. And it was during this time uh, that he wrote some of his more famous poetry, one of his poems titled, Angels from the Realms of Glory. And this was first published on December 24th of 1816, and it was later released as a hymn with a different title called, Good Tidings of Great Joy to All People. So there's the story of James Montgomery. I know there's more to a person's life. You've probably never heard of him before. You may never hear his name again. But I do hope that when you sing this song, not only does it tie you back to Luke 2, but even to the author, what his intent was in writing these words. Do you ever wonder what Mary felt in that moment? When the announcement came from the angel, I mean, the joy, the confusion, the trust... We do have a little glimpse into her life as it relates to that moment. We read this in Luke chapter 1, verse 39 to 45. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country. To a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Not the fetus, not the lump of cells. The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Elizabeth's like, blessed are you, and you believe that this would be fulfilled, and here you are. The good news, like good news is always compounded when you can share it with somebody, right? When you have good news, and you send out an email, you make a phone call, you visit a friend, and and your, your joy is just compounded. And here you have two good friends, relatives, Mary and Elizabeth together, and their joy just increases. It's compounded, it grows. And for Mary, it grew and was expressed in song. And so what we have next is Mary's song, and that's found in Luke 146 to 56. I did find a song I want to play for you of Mary's song from scripture. So just, just listen to her words as they're sung on this video.
3: My soul.
2: I could have just read those words to you from Luke 1, right, I could, I could have just read them, but there, it has a different effect when they're sung, when you hear them sung, isn't it? Isn't it different? There's just, just something else that changes it when you get to the music of Scripture, like Mary's song, so sure, she's in the presence of Elizabeth, and the joy just springs up in them, and the song comes out. It's kind of like in the garden when Adam and Eve are created, and Adam sees Eve, and he breaks out into poetry, Right? There's just something about sharing joy with others and then compounding it with music, like our visit with Ruth when Kevin sang. Songs, words, the power, the beauty, the importance. Now, uh, like, I said, this. Like, so we've read through The Hobbit, my kids and I. And it's really not that long, uh, but the way that Tolkien wrote it is you know, he, he included songs. And so we'd get to the songs and we'd sing those parts, me with my kids reading it at night. And it's just, it's just fun, you know? So now I'm like, let's read Lord of the Rings. They're like, no, you take too long. <laughs> but, but there's something about singing together of music and the way that God has made us for music. And here we hear the words of Mary. So <clears throat> let me just invite you as well, if you're on like iTunes or Amazon Music, look up uh, the, the, the Magnificat, uh, The Song of Mary. There's a lot of versions of these words that you'll find. Uh, you know, Handel's Messiah has a version of it as well. But you'll find a lot, of, a lot of people that have remade uh, or used these words and put it to music of Mary's song. So here you have Mary uh, singing of her joy, her trust in God, of what's happening in her life. Telling the story, moving their emotions, moving our emotion. And the story continues and we come to Luke 2 and we read this. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. While they were now in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is the Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace among those with whom he is pleased. Then we move forward in the text, we read this. and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So it is the, it's the story we're familiar with, the one that we, uh, we hear hopefully over and over each year. The story of history that is our history, that is the world's history of the Messiah coming into the world, born in a barn, a cave barn, if you will. This warm, smelly, dirty place. You know, growing up, I remember going into my uncle's barn. In the middle of January, freezing cold outside in central Wisconsin, but you walk into the barn, and it's just warm, right? There's, there's no heaters in there. All these cows have heated up this barn, but it stunk. You know, like I'm a city kid, it just stunk. It was dirty. And here we have the savior of the world, born in this smelly, dirty probably warm place. Not in some great palace in Jerusalem, not to some prominent family, but to a teenage girl. God using the foolishness of the world to show his glory. In a manger in that feeding trough lay the Savior. And the angels from the realms of glory come to these shepherds and to the wise men, we read as well, Come and see. Come and see what's happened. Come to Bethlehem and see. And they're like, well, what should we do? (laughs) And they go, and they go and look. They go and see. They go and see. This is refrained all throughout Scripture. I don't want you to miss this as well. When Jesus, in his ministry, goes to the woman at the well. You remember that that account that we hear of the woman at the well who has been married multiple times, and, and Jesus goes, would you bring up some water for me? And she's like, well, don't you know who you're talking to? You can't ask me that. She's like, he's like, not only do I know who I'm talking to, I know everything about you. I know the man you're living with currently isn't your husband. But I know this as well. I'm living water. Come and drink from me. Come and drink from me. The living water. And what does she do? She gets up and she runs to the city. And these are her words when she runs into the city. She says, come, a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Come and see. Come and see, she tells people. It's the story we have in the book of Revelation. That's actually tied to that story. We read this, the spirit and the bride. So you have Christ and the church, the spirit and the bride. One of my friends pointed out, it's interesting, so in scripture, this is kind of a side tangent, um, it's it's always husband and wife. It's always husband and wife. In the beginning you have Adam and Eve. Throughout Scripture, you have this husband and wife narrative because uh, Ephesians five—it's uh, the, the declaration, the presentation of Christ in the church. and the church—and in the end, you have Revelation twenty-two again reciting Romans, uh, John four. Come and see, the Spirit and the Bride. Come. And let the one who hears come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Come and see. Come and see. And so the angels call out to the shepherds, come and see. Come and see. And so in our Advent carol, we sing these words. Shepherds in the field abiding, watching over your flocks by night. God with man is now resigning. It's now happened. He's now residing. He's come. Yonder shines the infant light. Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. And then to the sages, the wise men. Sages, leave their contemplations. Brighter visions beam afar. Seek the great desire of nations. Ye have seen his natal star. Come and worship. Come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. These sages, you know, the science of the time, studying the stars. I mean, even just these words, sages, leave your contemplation. There's a brighter vision that's further out. Seek the great desire of nations. Seek the natal star, Jesus himself. So you have these angels proclaiming the coming of Christ and inviting all those who hear to come and to see. And so to keep it in context... You have angels talking to shepherds. You have angels talking to wise men. We have an Advent carol written by James Montgomery that we sing. And all throughout scripture, the invitation is for us as well. It is, right? Come and see. Come and see what God has done. Come and see the Messiah for whom the world had waited. Who has now come? Who made the world? All things made through him and for him. He who holds all things together by the power of his will the one who fixes what is broken, the great shepherd of the sheep. He's the David that feeds the Goliath, right? He's the prince who slays the dragon in the garden and wins the girl, the bride. He wins the bride, the church, by crushing the head of that serpent. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the author and the perfecter of our faith, and we're invited to come and to see. Come and see. I'm brought back to this passage. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem to see this thing that's happened. Is that what we want? I mean, I'm assuming we come here each Sunday after Sunday to come and see, to come and hear, to come and receive what Christ has done and is doing. And when the shepherds and the sages went to see, it changed everything. Everything, not only in the world, but in their lives, everything was changed. And that is the effect it has on us as well when we come and see. And we sing the closing refrain of that carol Saints before the altar bending. So you have this image of wise men who came later, but then you have the shepherds there right now bending over the altar. Or the sacrifice. Christ, who would be the final sacrifice, bending over the altar, watching long in hope and fear, suddenly the Lord descending and his temple shall appear. Come and worship, come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. So James Montgomery, who wrote this carol, he would live until April 30th of 1854. Of a man who had the love of Christ boiling in his bones, who was willing to be imprisoned and even willing for death to proclaim this message, was given a celebration of a funeral and is buried now at Sheffield General Cemetery. Again, James Montgomery may have passed. Again, you may never hear his name mentioned again. But what you will hear are the words he wrote and where those words come from. Coming from scripture in the invitation to all of us this Advent season And every day to come and see. To come and see Christ the Messiah. And the effect will be the same when you come and see. Everything changes. Let me pray. Jesus, you are the reason. We know the pithy cliche is for the season. But if we believe scripture, you are the reason for everything. All things created through you and for you. All things sustained by you. Our very faith a gift from you our very destiny appointed by you, our faith a gift. You are the focal point of all history. And you are the focal point of our life, Lord. And I pray that we would never cease to come and see. Lord, let us come and see, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Our offering this morning is for World Renew. As the offering is taken, uh, the folders at the end of the rows, if you'd pass those down your row, there's some information for those that are visiting to be filled out in there. Thank you. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you have made, Lord, this first Sunday of Advent. Lord, as all the nations belong to you, and Lord, even as I picture all the churches gathering together on their Sabbath worship, together, Lord, your church around this world rejoicing in your coming into the world, all of your church that came before us and all the church that will come after us, Lord, your people, rejoicing in your coming into the world and being reminded that you are coming again. There is a second coming. And Lord, and then you will dwell among us. Our bodies will be changed. Those that have died will rise. New heavens and new earth and eternity. So help us to come and see that we might see what we're made to see. Lord, you've made us eternal. And each person here will be fit with eternal bodies. Eternal in heaven or eternal in hell, but eternally we all live. So I pray that each person here, Lord, would not only come and see, but receive who you are, why you've came, what you've done and are doing. That you are Lord, that you are king, and that we're made for you that we would be fit with those bodies for eternity with you. You who take our sin to the cross, all of our shame, all of our mistakes, all of the things we've done that we regret, all the things that we haven't done that we've neglected, Lord, you've taken to the cross. You've given us your righteousness, and we thank you for that. And as we come and see, might we come and see the great forgiveness that you give to your people, making us right with God. Nothing we can earn, nothing we can pay back, but only receive. So in light of who you are and in light of what you're doing amongst us in your church, among all the churches that call upon you as Lord and Savior, we thank you for the work of your spirit. Here in this expression of our faith, Crossroads Fellowship, as we gather together, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for our church. And I do pray, I pray for Glenn Summers, be with him in his health, Jesus. For Ruth Tibble, I ask that you'd be with her as well. Continue to give her the joy that she has and good comfort. Be with her in these days. And Carla, she cares for her, Lord. Be with us, Evan Burgens, with the passing of Kayla's grandfather, Bill Renz. We ask that you give peace to their family as they grieve. Be with Corey and his friend Haley, Lord. Give wisdom in their discussions that you would be glorified in all. For Breslin, we pray for continued healing upon her body and others, Lord, who are recovering from surgeries, chemotherapy, from radiation. We pray continued healing upon their bodies. For others who are waiting surgeries, who are in pain now, we ask for healing. For those that are traveling, Lord, we know we're missing a number from our service this morning and many who couldn't return because of the snow, we ask that you would give them safety and travel in the days ahead. And Those that are waiting to return home from visiting here, we pray for safety in their travels. We thank you for Thanksgiving, Lord, where families could gather together. And we know it's a time of great joy and also great pain for many people. The great joy of gathering with those that we love and pain because oftentimes it's the first year that loved ones are absent. Maybe through death, maybe through conflict. But we thank you for family. We thank you for the family that you're building from all the people of every nation And at that table, when we're seated with you, there will be no conflict. There will just be great joy, great celebration. So we thank you, Lord, for those uh, images, those those glimpses we get of that coming feast that you prepare for us. Lord, we do lift before you those uh, that we support in mission here, Dave and Blanca Gifford. We ask blessing upon their work. Justin Van Zee, continue to strengthen his faith and bless his work in Cambodia. Tom and Don Woltheis, Lord working amongst the college kids, be with them on that mission field. Joe Veldkamp, continue to bless his work, Lord Jesus. The Liberian churches that we're able to partner with and plant and establish, Lord, might they flourish, holding firmly to the trustworthy word. Opera camps, Lord, his ministry in India, be with the church planning that he's doing. Brandon and Ashley, thank you that they could be with us last week. Help us to continue to remember to pray for them continually in the work they're doing in Connecticut. Matthew Vryhoff and his family in the Dominican, bless Project Miniana and Zuni Christian Mission School. We thank you for all those, Lord, who have been now trained and raised in the faith through Zuni. Continue to bless their further mission. Lord, we thank you that you are the God of good news, you are the God of blessing, you are the God who takes his people from one degree of glory to another. We thank you that you're not finished in the work that you started in us, but you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. But help us to come and see, to see what you're doing, to see where you're going, to work where you're working, and to grow as your spirit leads us. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. I think we have a few announcements uh, this morning. As the announcements are coming forward, a reminder: Caroling tonight. If you want to sing with the caroling group, so 3:30 would be. Am I taking your announcement? Is that yours? Okay. Okay, I'll, I'll save it then. So that's a warm-up announcement for Laura's announcement. Uh, ESV class will be our first of two classes. We're going to meet after the service in the fireside room to discuss the ESV Bible and uh, what that means here for our church. And then following that class, which ends at 11.30 today, so we're not doing the 11.45 classes, we're doing the 11, it'll end at 11.30. We're gonna have a, a short meeting for small group leaders. And so if you're here as a small group leader, meet at about 11.30 for about 15, 20 minutes-ish. All right, that's all I have. Looks like there's a number of other announcements.
3: So yes, I was going to mention that we are doing caroling this afternoon. Um, 3.30 we are meeting at the summers not necessarily here at the church Just one, and all the addresses are here in the bulletin in here. Um, the different times if you can't make 3.30 and you just want to go to 4.15 at uh, Grace Luther or if you just want to meet us at uh, Jones Place in the Shores, um, please feel free to do that. They do enjoy it when we come and sing um, and if you're there and singing and you want to make arrangements to meet with other people afterwards and go out for something to eat, that's totally up to you. There's nothing really necessarily planned here. So, But we'd love to have your voice good or bad or even just your presence um, they really enjoy it when we come
0: okay uh, just a reminder uh, this sunday is your last chance to sign up for the mystery dinner party Uh, if you're still on the fence about it i encourage you to sign up it's going to be well worth your time and if you already if you've already signed up please be looking out for something in your mailbox soon Uh, We are going to be having program practice immediately after church. Uh, Three- and four-year-olds will go to their normal classrooms. Uh, This week, kindergarten through junior high, we're going to meet here in the sanctuary. So just come up front to the first few rows of chairs. Uh, The rest of you, I kindly ask that you exit the sanctuary into the fellowship hall so we can um, have as few distractions as possible. With one exception, if you're on the setup team or want to help uh, tear down chairs, you are allowed to stay in here.
2: All right, three weeks from today, we have the shelter dinner. It's at 6 p.m. Sunday night. Uh, We have a blank canvas on the sign-up sheet. I think they just went out today, so if you have any questions uh, or you're interested, you can reach out to me directly or sign up in the NorthX or the Friendship folders. Thank you.
0: So just want to give you a heads up about an offering uh, for next week. Um, we're this will be a, a second offering. See if we can, uh, for those of you who are guests here, we've been involved in uh, rebuilding rural churches in Liberia. These are churches that uh, Pastor Joseph, Zarway, and Rachel have been involved with uh, when they lived there, and he pastored there. Um, we've, uh, uh, there were two that had already been built before we got involved, but in total, uh, there are now are 10 churches that have been rebuilt in the churches that uh, Joseph and Rachel have been involved with. Um, The last two you see on the map, uh, and you see the the line kind of right there between them, is uh, the boundary between Liberia and Ivory Coast. And so the distance between all these rural churches um, is not great, um, but um, um, there are that many churches in that that region. so the two churches that need to be completed yet are in the city of uh, Tulaplu and Parbly, and um, the offering that we are uh, having next week, again, it's a second offering uh, in, in within the service. The uh, projected need is $7,000, and that's going towards... Um, helping to f- finish off the, the last church, a little bit of that. But mostly the, uh, that amount will cover furnishing uh, all four churches. Um the the furnishings aren't uh, aren't lavish. Usually, um, in the in terms of what we experienced when Brad and I and always visited there about a year and a half ago, uh, a bench or you know these plastic patio chairs, and, and then a, a simple podium uh, for for the pastor and, and leader there. Um, so again, next week, uh, please be in prayer about that. We are so thankful for. The way that you've supported in the past, and these are just again some pictures of of the the two churches that have been completed. And um, I'm having a brain freeze at the moment. Uh, Joseph, what what are what are the name of the the, the two churches that we just that recently were completed? Nizobli, Clown. That's right. Nizobli and Clown have been completed recently um, in the last few months. And these are just some pictures. Um, and again, we thank Eric Zarway, um, son of Joseph and Rachel, who's there. He's been a kind of a construction manager, but he also a uh, superintendent at a, a Christian school there. Um, and so future opportunities continue to pray, uh, certainly. And, um, but the, also, um, Eric Zarway has requested pen pals for the students. We're talking maybe 50 or 60 students, um, many of whom um, have lost parents due to the Ebola outbreak um, a few years back. Um, and then also if, if um, uh, you know, as, as opportunities come along the way, uh, we may start thinking about the Ivory Coast Orphan um, Home. Uh, we, we met Elizabeth uh, on our trip there, and, and there are needs there as well. So those may be some future opportunities. Um, again, the Pen Pal Program, um, uh, Christ Covenant uh, School Ministries, uh, just a couple pictures there. Again, Eric's always part of that. Um, but uh, the pin pal can be a child or adults. And with that, we are seeking a volunteer. Um, Brad and I, we've been trying to get that going and um, we're just, I think, needing more help. And so if you're interested in being organizing that, please see us about that. We certainly can be involved, but um, if you want to help take that over, we'd be appreciative and, and um, so thank you. Um, this picture doesn't express the uh, gratitude that the folks there. Um, have for for how we're helping them the churches do make a difference there's been greater attendance and more people attending those churches uh, because of the the structure of these buildings thank you
2: I think that's all for the announcements Angie no okay would you stand for the benediction The words we're sent with from God are from Romans chapter 15, verse 12 to 13. Isaiah says, The root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.